Welcome along to season three, episode 20 of LOI Weekly with myself, Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald, fresh uh, after the break, ready for action with Andy Boyle in studio very shortly. And we're going to have Ger Little on the line discussing an All-Ireland League. We're on Podcast Republic, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and we're at LOI Weekly on Twitter in association with Air Sports and Independent.ie, Dan. What is the story? We're uh, nearly ready for the res- re- resumption of wasn't that long League Combat. Ah, oh, it was a long time. And then we actually did a podcast last week, so we actually haven't had we a break did. at all. But, uh, plenty, plenty of stuff happening. Um, primarily, all this chat about, about a potential All-Island League. Well, yeah, there was a governance review report of 130 pages released last Friday. Do you want to talk about that? No. But uh, we'll get back to it again, because it is important. But I think we've actually got some guests over the next couple of weeks who I think are going to be strong on that topic we've got a couple lined up so I think we'll uh, we'll maybe revisit that subject then because it's going to be an important one leading up towards the AGM but you are right in the short term uh, we have a situation with the with the All-Ireland League I mean we're speaking now what on a on, on Tuesday afternoon, you know, we, we had a bit of a chat this morning with Kieran Lucid. There'll be some stuff in the Independent tomorrow, Wednesday, um, maybe outlining some of the plans, which I've been touched on in some other places over the last couple of days as well, um, since, I suppose, details of that story broke. And obviously, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in Irish football this year. Now, this is another element added into it. And what will come across from the Kieran Lucid quotes is the immediacy with which he wants this done. You know, there's a sense that, not that he wants it done, that he wants clubs to adopt this idea and to adopt this proposal. So we could be facing... Uh, notwithstanding the, the, the general FAI Irish football crisis, we could also be facing a situation where clubs are heading into like a form of referendum about their future um, and, and where the future of football on this island stands within the next couple of months um, if, if they can actually manage to put this proposal together in such a way that it's, it's tangible, it's there, that it's there to be voted on. So that's obviously something that we... We are we have coming down the tracks as well. So I mean, there's there's Rovers and Dock on Friday, which is a big game. There's European games coming up, but there's also games off the pitch, which could shape the entire course of our future or not, depending on what happens. I think it's fascinating, and uh, we we will get to a little very shortly. It's just the how this thing has just come out of the blue, really, and it has been in the back burner for maybe eighteen months. And one thing that has impressed me is that they kept this on the QT. Like I didn't really hear anything about it until very recently. Uh, Brian Kerr has obviously been centrally involved. Didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, and it's um, it's obviously something that we've spoken about. We had a vox pop earlier in the season. I'm hoping to go to Ballymena on Thursday, get a vox pop up there as well, just to see what the the attitude is. But um, it's very exciting, Dan. If nothing else, even if it doesn't happen. Well, I mean, it's not exciting if it doesn't happen. The prospect is, yeah, but like, I know, but I just think, like, you know, I've I've seen and heard a lot of proposals uh, during my time covering Irish football. So, like, that makes you, uh, that makes you naturally not naturally cynical, but just you have to approach everything with a, a skeptical uh, approach. You have is to it more or less likely to happen because the FAI is in such a mess? I, I just, don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, John. I think like you just need to, like. I, I, you you can't help but be impressed by their proposals because they're they're detailed. They exist. You know, there is a plan here. It's not a notional discussion document. Like there are plans, but how how this will work. However, you know they still have to secure their necessary sponsorship and and funding. But there is interest there. So what what makes this more realistic is that there actually is. It's not just an idea. There's there's a lot of figures, and not all of it can be released now. But there is actually material that exists. So so that, that to me is the interesting, the most uh, encouraging part of this proposal is that that it's out there, and they're hoping by, uh, I think they're hoping by starting to come out publicly that it might even draw out more people, more potential sponsors, and more potential interest groups who who get behind this idea. The flip side of that is, and we will discuss this with Jared Little. The flip side of that is that naturally there's massive obstacles to overcome in terms of getting clubs to buy into it, getting UEFA to buy into it, um, and getting the FAI to be honest and the IFA to buy. I don't think the I don't think there'll be any, I don't think there'll be any problem getting UEFA to sanction this. I, I think the I, problems will be closer to home. I I I wouldn't be so wise about offering okay. those opinions, John. To okay. be honest, you know, like this is this is football administration. It's complicated. It's not that easy. I'd be like, like you know, that's just you know. I'd be amazed a if they didn't come up with the phone and they're talking about uh, Kieran. Uh, first of all, I was ashamed because he's younger than me and he's achieved like he's been a millionaire in his early thirties. Did you feel any sense of shame meeting him today? No. And, no? No. Your, my our relative kind of place in life. No, you have no. to no, no. Why? Just 
Why? In fairness, he is a bit of a high achiever. I think they'll get Don't the money. Don't make I like. I they get the money. No I, problem. I, I I went into journalism, which is what I always wanted to do. I didn't fancy. Always. I didn't you want f- to be a footballer. Oh, I mean, I was till I was around eight. Nah, you were you were blabbing on about this well into your 11, 11, 12, 13, and then uh, the crisps and the coke. You hit me hard, no, you know. Yeah, but st- stunted yeah. development. But I'm just saying that uh, you know I didn't go into it to make millions. To be fair, so I don't feel that bad about someone who's a millionaire. Do you believe? Do you believe him when he says he's no interest in no interest whatsoever in making any money from this? Well, like, to, like that's the thing. Like you have to, like. You know, I, I think the, this is legit in, in the sense of look at the caliber of people that are involved as well. You got Brian Kerr, also other people like Kieran Medler, who would be um, like a representative to say Robbie would have been helping out with say Robbie Keane and a lot of the senior Irish players would actually have represented the Irish players in their negotiations with the FAI over bonuses and stuff like that. So this is someone who's very much heavily involved. Brendan Dillon, someone involved in the League of Ireland, go back many years. And then there's also people in in Northern Ireland who are people of sort of substance. Whether it's in football or in in business, so that's the thing. You look, you know who these people are. Now we also know who people are are involved with the Noel Quinn thing, but I don't think they've been able to get really. Uh, they haven't got probably the same level. I would argue of organisation in terms of their structure and their plans in terms of clarity. I genuinely think they will feel a little bit that they're caught on the hop by this because their plans were a notional all our league in time, which is completely fair enough. But this is so sexy now that it'll kind of grab people's yeah. attention. But I think you, I think you're very eager to say, well, I'm excited by this and and like this is happening and this. Oh is no! Like I think you have to just like. Unfortunately, I asked a journalist there today, and none of them thinks it'll happen. No, like football, covering the beat of the football beat, I mean, you're new enough to actually football reporting, you know, mm-hmm. like the football beat over a long period of time drains you. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of false starts. So, you, you you know, when there's talk of a takeover or talk of this or talk of that, you're like, just whoa there for a minute. A revolutionary but I, but I have uprising. To, yeah, every, everyone wants it. Like, everyone's excited by a story. Like, everyone's excited by a, a Saudi takeover. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone's excited by all these tales. But then... Like that's one thing coming up with the idea. It's nothing to enact it, but I have to say, like I, like, I am impressed by the fact that there actually is, there's, there's a presentation here that they're giving a presentation to clubs that they've, they've worked out models. There's, there's, there's real, proper homework here that, I think like will genuinely instigate a proper debate about this. I didn't, good, good feeling is that I just, I just can't believe that it would happen, right? But I don't want to just crap all over it either because that's really negative as well and I think there's people who are probably being beaten down by years of disappointment that you don't want that to be the that that to be our future as well do you know but I think that there is an element that I, I also wouldn't have believed that you would have a serious debate about it this year and we are having a serious debate about it this year I think that these people will start a serious debate so I've been proven wrong on that score you know so maybe we can go that little bit more I'm just not going to suddenly start making declarations that this will definitely happen because I, I honestly think that the other stuff that's going on with the FBI at the moment as much as you say does it make it more likely I also think there's a danger of it making it more of an obstacle because the FBI aren't in a position at the moment to to possibly approve something like this because they don't actually the people in charge of the FBI at the moment arguably don't have the mandate to make big decisions like this so I think that that's going to be a problem with the crossover of the timelines let's bring in Jared Little Jared Little former Sligo Rovers and former Cliftonville present uh, Northern Ireland under 15s boss how are you? I'm very well thank you how are you? Not too bad not too bad I'm very disappointing. You what with me being, you know, an eternal optimist, and then this plan for an All Ireland League comes along, and then one of our own, a former League of Ireland manager, starts pissing all over it. What was going on? <laughs> tell you, listen, you know me. I like to tell the truth. I like to. I don't like to uh, bust anyone's bubble, but I, I think listen, you're like I'm Dan. All, you're too pragmatic. I, I, listen, I'm all for it. Don't don't get me uh, started because it's. I think it's a great idea, but I think there's a lot of. A lot of things need sorted. First of all, first and foremost, you know, I think, I think first and foremost, I think the the uh, the League of Ireland need to get their house in order as well um, before they start looking at potentially, um, you know, an All Ireland League. Um, yeah, well, I'm seeing every week at different supporters and that are, are complaining about fixtures and travels and 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 various things. You know, as I said before, last last season and the season before, I think Sligo. It was 12 weeks before they had a home game, a home gate. So there's a lot of things need sorted out that end first. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, a lot of reassurance in, in, in terms of the, the teams in the north, uh, you know, 
what's what's really going to happen about the the big things of European money, isn't it? Mm. Um, so there, there there's loads loads of discussion uh, offered debate. But listen, if it comes off, a great idea, and and hopefully, God spares us, it does come off. But uh, I think we need to get uh, a few things sorted first. Yeah, I mean, Jared, uh, we we spoke about this a bit before you came on there, and yeah, we, one thing we didn't actually mention is the timeline. We should stress that there, there is a the 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 people behind this want this uh, to go through pretty quickly you know they want they want very very quickly. very quickly and what they're hoping is that by by 2021 we are in a position to start a new 14 team premiership and two 10 team regionalized championships below it running on a season ultimately that would end up being april may until around new year's day so there's a few aspects and as you mentioned jared you're Just right let's work from that backwards well, so that means that what that means what happens has to happen this year well the, 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 yeah. it would need the 2020 league of ireland season to start later and finish mm-hmm. later. And we need all this to be agreed. Now, I would so. argue that actually they should just start at the same time and get rid of all the midweek fixtures, actually, but just <laughs> run it over a proper length. But that's, that's uh, being facetious. That's beside the point here. And, yeah. then, and it would need the switch that, that, that appears to be coming in Northern Ireland to, 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 be, to be put through as well. So there's a few elements here. As you mentioned, we spoke before you came on about the FEI situation, Jared, and how yeah. that's going to take a while. And I would take the view that there's so much to sort out here at the moment that it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be hard for the FEI to have the authority to push through something like this. But from the Northern Irish perspective, what, where, where are things at with the general idea of reform towards the summer season and changing the calendar and, and notwithstanding this idea, where do things stand there? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's, it's been a, a topic of discussion here for, for the last couple of years. And, you know, there was always talk about even, you know, if, I think at one stage in the north, you know, there was there was a lot of people up against playing on a, on a Sunday, never mind a, a summer league. Um, you know, that was that was come back with the, the, the dinosaurs, I suppose. But um, now, you know, this, this league, to be fair, you know, one thing I will say about them, they, they have got their, their house in order. You know, it's... Um, Niffle, you know Andrew Jansen and and, and uh, you know the, the the boys behind that have done an unbelievable job. Um, certainly in the last sort of four or five years, um, promoting the league and, and bringing new sponsorship, new ideas, fresh ideas, and and you know now we're seeing that you know there's there's four or five teams currently talking about you know going full time, which is absolutely brilliant for this league. Um, you know, but again, this this is going to take you know a season or two. Crusaders are, are sort of they're they're semi part time if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got some players. I think they've got sort of six, seven, to eight players are full time, and and the rest are are part time still doing their current jobs. Um, and and the reason behind that is because you know some of their their very good players. Um, are, you know, there there's some of them are school teachers and. You know, hold very good uh, positions in different different lines of work, and you know the, the for them the the sort of get rid of them if you like to go full time or ask them to go full time. They're not going to do it because you know they're potentially got two or three years left in them in, in terms of their own career, and the to to maybe jump ship and leave their own current job would be a, a big ask. So they're trying to manage that um, and and trying to work that out what's best way possible um, and, and again it's another club who are very forward thinking and you know some of the ideas that they're coming up with to, to promote the game and promote even Avenue and the club is, is fantastic uh, you know the, the board there is, is a really really good you know, Mark Langhammer don't know if you came across him a really good guy uh, and, and some of his ideas are, are, are frightening. You know, they, they, they've got like a, a new big gym put into the place. They've got uh, another sort of uh, massive room where they do Sunday carveries and lunches and things like that. And, and obviously it's it's another another idea of, of bringing in extra revenue on top of what they have with the, the, the 3G pitch and the Astro pitch as well. So, you know, all these things are taking place and, and helping the clubs massively. Uh, Lauren Football Club is now the new club who are, are potentially the new Man City of, of, of the North um, big investor coming in Purple Bricks um, and and they've just practically built a new stadium uh, you know they have a couple of Southern League players there and uh, signed up already Lee Lynch is one of them um, done really well got promoted and they're they're going to just absolutely fly and and they're the they're the first team really who has went proper full time here. So I think the rest will follow and as I say and it'll only make this league a better league and more competitive throughout the next year or two. 
But you're talking, I mean, you're talking now in terms of um, part-time players and their reluctance to go full-time. I've The, the, the odd Northern Ireland um, NFL player I've spoken to, I can completely relate to what you're saying there and I can see where they're coming from. But mm. you're talking about a situation here where um, in, in, feasibly in 2021, which is uh, two, season, two years from now, you're told that uh, you'll be a full-time uh, team in this division, um, you know, you're, you're either here or you're not. So I'm necessarily been told yeah. they're going to be full time. So That's the aspiration. For, yeah. yeah. So the aspiration, for example. So we'll say you have five, feasibly five or six full time uh, teams from from Northern Ireland. Say if you had Linfield, Larn, uh, Crusaders, Glentorn, um, obviously Derry City will be an Northern Ireland club as well. Uh, but they wouldn't o- be included. Yeah. In so one other okay. club then from the Irish League. Um, mm. So. There's huge potential there, but like the, the key thing surely about all this year is the, the purported money behind it that makes all of this sustainable. Yeah, so it's excellent as a football, as, as we all are, we're, we're football fanatics and, and that that excites me, that whole part of it excites me and I just worry, Johnny, that, like what money is going to be available? I mean, I see the only, the only money I've seen at the minute, I think it was yourself that maybe tweeted or, or maybe one of the guys from up here, I think it was maybe Stephen Looney, had said about a million pound sponsor, um, TV sponsor. You know, would that, that, that wouldn't sustain any, I mean, that, that would be gone on a flash. You know, the, the travel I've seen also tweeted, I'm, I'm mad into Twitter at the minute and the information you're getting is frightening. And by the way, the supporters, to come back from your tweet and and get involved has been excellent. You know the feedback and the different ideas. It, it's been really good. But you know it's the travel as well. You know there's a lot of money around that. There's a lot of money around. You know. I just don't the, buy it with travel though. It's it's we're really small island. Like I don't buy it with travel. If you're playing, yeah, you, well, you're, you're Johnny, you have to Johnny, you have to be realistic about the costs of running a club. Okay, like, okay. Yeah. So, like, the cost of running a club, but this is a league that is supposed to be generated around ten million euro. Supposed, about, to. supposed to be. We're not talking yeah. about an impoverished league of Ireland where the FI is putting next to nothing into it. So you okay from your perspective, travel was obviously an issue with Sligo Rovers, but this is a proper mm. professional league where every game is a big event in its own right, in theory. Yeah. But okay, Johnny. So let's say, let's say, for argument's sake, you know, there's in the in the space of a month, you know, you've got Cork away, and you know, if you're if you're if say you're Linfield or or Cliftonville or Crusaders or whatever, a Belfast club, you've Cork away, and then you have potentially uh, in that month Waterford away. Twice in a month, though. As opposed Twice to, so the, the way this will be scheduled will be that his his notion at the moment I think is twenty six games. There'll be none of this nonsense of playing uh, on a Monday if you're from uh, Watford going up to Larne or whatever. It'll be properly yeah. in theory. So I don't see why going to Watford and Cork, which is a particularly bad month for Linfield. And bear in mind, Linfield to Watford yeah. is under four hours uh, if you're driving as a fan. It's not that bad. I mean, talk to an English fan based in bloody Yeovil or whatever about what it is. Johnny, I, I, I don't buy by. it. What's that? Some of some, I, see the first fixture when you were up here in the north. If you when I was club manager, the first fixture you looked at when the new fixtures come out was Balna Mallard away, yeah. and and the boys got an absolute nosebleed. They yeah. were like, oh jeez, Balna Mallard away. That's, that's part time. That's part time thinking though. I mean, if you're a professional yeah. player, it yeah. doesn't matter. I mean, you should be feasibly going the night before. Or yeah, whatever. but I think but I think the problem that we not the well, I think there's a problem. I think that ultimately. You know they're talking about bringing in revenues, and I think it sounds very encouraging, right? But yeah. that that will only last for so long. You know that only lasts for so long if the public in these places want to watch. Like if the public in Waterford want to see Cliftonville, and if the public in in parts of Belfast yeah. want to see Waterford more yeah. than they would like to see a derby with their with their rivals and and the traditions and the identity that exists within that. And obviously, there's complexities there. Everyone knows what they are, um, and the, the the feeling would be, and Jared, you can you can definitely articulate this much better than us. That maybe that there would be quite a few supporters north to the border who are negative towards this. And and how do you win them over from your perspective? Like how do you win people around to this? Listen, you're going to get debates. You're going to get negativity. You're going to get positivity. You're going to get people's you know thoughts. And uh, listen, we all we all have opinions, and and they're wonderful. But the biggest thing you know for running a football club is: are we going to lose money doing this, or are we going to make money? You know, potentially, is it going to jeopardize? I mean, the big thing here now is one of the reasons why they're going full time up here is is because of the European pot. 
you know, let's let's be honest, you know, mm. the, and and if, I think if Nye took a place off us up here, um, yeah. which is down to two or three, is it? it was from, from, three as from next year, next I think. year yeah. yeah, you know, so there, there's, and that's the big thing, you know. I mean, the league here, as I said, it's it's went really well. I mean, you go right till the end of the season, and and every club, you know, was sort of playing for something because of the playoffs, and makes it exciting. Um, to, I mean, what what I think. Oof, I think obviously it, it, it needs to be tried at some stage, some war. But my biggest fear, Dan, is is getting into it, you know, and at two years down the line, you know, the crowds aren't great. Um, you know, traveling supporters aren't traveling. You know, you're getting two men and a dog at, at the away games, um, and and funding and and sponsorship, TV start going. Fair guess, you know, we're pulling the plug on this. So you know where, where does the league go then? Where's assurance? Uh, that, that there, you know that's that's a fear, and that has to be there has to be a lot of thought. I'm led to believe that you know some of the clubs have been um, it's been mentioned to up here, and, and some of them haven't. Like Palomino finished second in the league, and they they hadn't heard anything about this apparently, according to a good source. So um, you know. There, yeah, we a, can't clarify whether that's true or not. But in yeah. fairness, um, I think in fairness to the guys, like they haven't necessarily said they've they've spoken to every club. Um, and I'd be up in Ballymena on Thursday. It'd be interesting. But I, my experience of being at Glintorn, for example, was massive, massive support among the fans for an All Ireland League. And and in fairness to Kieran Lucid, he's referenced the fact that the Southern clubs have been more resting than the Northern clubs about all of this. Yeah, I mean the the, the Northern clubs loved when this, the Tanta Cup was here. It was it was brilliant. It was exciting. It was great. You, you were getting the opportunity to to play against the best teams in the South, and let's let's call it Spurs. We you know that they always say that the South Southern League's better, um, and because of the full time. But you know, as I say, I think the the Northern League is catching up uh, in many ways. There's, I mean, the young players that, that, from across the water are coming here, and it seems to be more appealing. The money seems to be nearly nearly as, as, as good as what it is down south in terms of their 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 salaries. Um, you know, so I, I really I, I would love to see it. Don't get me wrong, I really would love to see it, but I think there is a lot of discussion. I can't I can't just be yeah, we're going to go with this in a year's down the line or two years down the line. You know, it needs to be a, a lot of reassurance in terms of. You know, what if, what if this this doesn't work? You know, where do we go from here? You know, if we have six clubs from the north and six clubs from the south have formed the league, you know, what happens if it goes belly up? You know, do they go straight back into the Premiership and do they go straight back into the into both leagues? You know, so there, there, there's loads of happening. Um, as I said, you know, there, there's so much. Is it going to cost money? I, I know I keep saying about the travel. The travel does have to come into it because... I know dealing with chairman in both North and South that it's a big issue. You know, it's a big cost. You know, thirteen uh, away games on this league. You're talking two, two to three grand, um, Johnny. From when we like uh, for Sligo to the Waterford for an overnight stay, a coach, your food. You know all that. You know it's it's it's, it's just because it's we, two to three grand is nothing. It's just because we've been used to being impoverished. So like Rovers as a football club was able to survive because of the goodwill of its supporters. Because there's no TV yeah. money and there's no money coming in from yeah. the league. But Johnny, so if there's money, if there's massive money coming in, guaranteed at the start of the season, you're able to yeah. afford these things. You know there's a yeah. budget there. But Sligo Rovers, where you coached, there was no money coming in. Sligo Rovers only yeah. survived Johnny, because of Gates. I think, I think you've got to stop saying things like two or three grand is nothing. Right. It's not, it should no, be no, nothing. no. But like, yeah, but I mean, like, ten million isn't ten million shouldn't be considered a big amount of money. One hundred and sixty million over five years is the SBL money in terms of TV. Yeah, runs. but and we think ten million is is. But huge. there's teams in the SBL that have sixty thousand people a week watching them. Two, okay? Of them, two Yeah, okay, but that's still well, two. Johnny, but, you the, know, biggest, the biggest travel, you have to the compare. biggest travel in the SBL and the Premiership is is. It's three hours, isn't it? It's from Glasgow, is it Aberdeen? Or, yeah, well, it, it, when Inverness were in it, it was pretty far. But, but otherwise, I think yeah. we have to just stop being small No, but I also, it's not being small minded, but I think you also have to be realistic about the figures, the language that you use, saying that something is nothing. It's only it, it's nothing in the context of big business and big sport, but, but football in Ireland hasn't been that. So, so But the dock are guaranteed yeah, seven yeah, figures this year. Yeah, yeah, they're not guaranteed seven figures. Sorry, they're figures guaranteed eight, eight, 800 grand and then 1.2. Yeah, yeah, but like they, they'll spend 80 grand mm. on a charter flight, John, to Lafayette. So, like, you know, and they're paying a big wage bill to players, like a really big wage Based bill. Based on to the fact that they've that money. Yeah, well, they're still probably running a loss until they start doing some things on the pitch in Europe. So, like, the business, like, like Cork City have won our league in recent times and got, and, and never mind that, they've qualified for Europe the last five years. They've had to make cutbacks, you know. 
Like, so I just think we also have to be careful about saying that it's nothing. Oh, this is nothing. It, like, mm. it's expensive to run a football club. To run a professional football club properly to the highest standard is expensive, and all those factors count. You have to if you want to run, want to run a football club to the highest standard. And like Jared would, would probably, I'm not going to ask him to come in, but obviously there probably would have been frustrations in Sligo. That's a professional football club, but yeah. that that comes down to like putting on food every day. We had Andy, we'll, we'll have Andy Boyle on later and talking about the facilities at Dundalk. He spent half a million over the winter on that. Like there's a serious outlay, so prize money doesn't make everything uh, better. Like prize money gets eaten up really quickly. Like even a club that's yeah. that's that's getting a couple of hundred grand for finishing bottom that'll go well, pre- pretty fast money does yeah season Dan you know yeah. it does yeah season and that's that and uh, that's at a stretch you know depending on on what you want to use it for you know you could could you use it for warm weather training could you use it for some players you know there's there's not dealing with chairman and, and directors you know it's 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 this or this obviously at the smaller scale of, of things in terms of clubs Dundalk and in your limb fields and that are, are at a different level at the minute because they're top of the tree but you know the i mean let, let's let's go second in the, in the north is is balamina then you had um you know teams like glenn torn who weren't even in the top six uh, obviously, they've got investors now. Lauren will be uh, diff- completely different um, because they've got investors. But you know, even even the teams in the south, you know, Dundalk finished. Cork are, are, are struggling financially. I'm led to believe, you know, the, these teams aren't surviving properly and and aren't, you know, been able to, to to do the things that they a manager really wants to do to make to be a professional outfit. Yeah, yeah, um, Jared. Thanks you know, a million for that. Um, we we better we we'll better revisit these debate again. We will. It'd be great yeah. to have you down soon. It's it's good to hear things are going well up the north, and hopefully I'll see you en route to Ballymena on Thursday. Yes, no problem. I look forward to it, and, and I'll, I'll let you buy me a coffee. Top man, Jared Sterling no as problem. well. <laughs> thanks, Jared. <laughs> Cheers. Take care, lads. See you later. Bye. And always good to hear a proper uh, Belfast accent on the show. Maybe it will become a regular thing in the future. Maybe Dan and I will become, uh, you know, proper celebrities because there'll be so much money in this league. We'll uh, we'll be paid absolute fortunes to talk about it. Who knows? Um, but it's time to move on and to the second part of the show now. Andy Boyle, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, lads. Welcome back to Ireland. Thank you. You don't look like you've been uh, in Ireland lately, though. You're in Dubai. They got a nice tan. That's right. Yeah, I was out in Dubai um, last week, so it was obviously previously booked from uh, UK holidays. So um, yeah, it was a nice little break. Well, doing a bit of training and stuff out there. So a bit of boat, and uh, it was just nice to see the sun. Obviously, haven't had too much of it here, have we? No. Did, did I see you catching up with someone over there? Was it? I'm trying to think. So because I see Richie Towell and Sean McGuire about on Instagram, and I can't remember which one posted up like a gathering with you. Was it Towell? Maybe was it? Yeah, it was Richie Towell. Yeah, I spent a bit of time. Out. Obviously, quite close from Dundalk days, and I would have played with Richie uh, like in schoolboy level and stuff like that. So we're quite close, and uh, yeah, he was out there with his family, and we met up a couple of the th- couple of nights, and. Um, Obviously, a couple of plays as well. So, yeah, it was, it was just nice to catch up. Um, a few other lads from footballers from Ireland and stuff like that as well. And, yeah, just just a nice place. Dubai is where it's at, isn't it, this time of year for the football fraternity, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot, there's a lot of people go out there, like, to do with football and stuff like that. I think it's obviously the weather's a big pull and it's, it's, it's a nice place. There's a story, actually, about... Um, one of the characters you mentioned there. We, when Ireland had the training camp in Portugal recently, in in, in Villamura, or actually, like it was the Irish senior training camp, and they were staying in Quinta de Lego, but we were staying in Villamura. There was a couple of us traveling into town, and we were crossing a pedestrian crossing. And there was a, a cyclist going by really like furiously. And one of the lads goes, Geez, I nearly hit your man there because he looks a bit like Richie Towell. Then we looked around, it was like, no, it is Richie Towell. It's <laughs> Richie Towell on a bike, belting his way through through like this place in Portugal. And Probably I actually, trying to work on his amazing I, physique. I, I, I sent him. I sent him yeah. a message afterwards, going, "Just to be clear, we nearly knocked over someone who looked a bit like yeah. you, and it was. He was out was, there. He was yeah. in Portugal, so he still was like, he still has that." training dedication that he never switches off really does he in yeah that he does to be fair he, he works hard and uh, <laughs> he's keeping himself in, in shape as well out there so yeah. do you have a chat about like where your direct where your careers are going and stuff it's funny like do you, would you be someone that would talk to other players for advice or was it very much you had your own convictions about what you were going to um, do not necessarily i think obviously if you know someone that's at a club that you you're think they've asked you to come on and ha- have a look or something you might you might have a a little chat with them but i think ultimately it has to be down to what you want to do and what suits yourself and what suits your family and and 
basically in a, has to come down to football at the end of the day. So I, I think you've got to make that choice. You can obviously look to people for advice, but ultimately I think it comes down to yourself. So so you talk to players and they talk about their first day at a new club and you know it's like first day of school, you're going around meeting people or whatever it might be. Uh, you had your first day today. Was it a bit different? Yeah, it was a bit different to be fair. Um, obviously catching up with a lot of old faces. Um, a lot it's of been st- like getting expelled for two years to go back. <laughs> That's it. Um, <laughs> Obviously, know a lot of the staff and uh, a lot of the players do as well, and everyone that I hadn't met before made me feel quite welcome today, and uh, it was nice to be back. To be honest, mm. the the parallels are Richie Towell as well, and that the moves you're you're both taking could be seen as like progress or or actually regression as well, because he's obviously gone down a level, and you're going back to Ireland. But like, have you spoke about uh, that with Richie? Uh, no, we haven't really. To be honest with you, I've only met him on on, on holiday, so. I think you need to kind of park football sometimes and, mm. and, and go and, and have a life really and, and enjoy outside of football as well. Uh, I think that's important and, and when you have your downtime, have your downtime really because mm. you're, you're in, in season, it's 10, 11 months or wherever it is of of working hard, training hard and having the ultimate goal of trying to perform on a, on a Saturday, Tuesday, whatever it may be and I think uh, when you have that bit of downtime that you probably don't want to always be talking about football. I know when you're in, you're in the UK and you're coming back and you're, you're talking to friends and people around where you come from, that that's all they want to talk about. What that's what they want to ask you about, especially the situation if you're coming to the end of your contract and stuff like that. But that's part and parcel of of, of life, I suppose, and and the game that you picked to play and the game that we all love. So it's one of them things, I suppose. Yeah, it comes hand in hand. I, I know you did interviews yesterday, so you you've probably gone through this a bit, but. Um, how, how do you assess your time away? How do you look at it now? I, I saw your quote today speaking about like the highs, the great grounds you played in, but obviously you know the lows would possibly be you know the the changes of management or, or, or periods that you mentioned where you maybe didn't know where you were where you were fixed. I mean, how do you look at the overall adventure, the experience that you had there now? Yeah, I think overall it, it was a good experience for me. It was there was lots of highs, as, as I said this yesterday. There was a lot of lows and. I think in in between it, it, it's I think living away and especially if you're not in the team, it's the probably the side that people don't always uh, see. It's probably people think you go away and, and play for a championship club, or it's it's all highs and it's. But ultimately, you want to play, you want to play football, and when you're not playing, and it can, it can be quite difficult and probably difficult on the people around you as well. So. Well, it, it was. I, I do look back and it was a positive experience. Obviously, I've looked back and I got full international cap out of it. Something that the, the old cliche of every every boy's dream really mm. is it to play for a country. And I got to do it in Dublin in front of friends and family, and that was that was a massive thing for for me. Uh, looking back on, and obviously the the place I've said that I've played there were there were some great venues, and I think like it it was a positive experience overall. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the change of manager from from Simon Grayson to Alex Neal that obviously uh, changed things. I remember actually I was over the first game of the following season when Shawnee Maguire made his debut, and I bumped into you, and you were there with it, like unfortunately the lads who weren't playing, and you're all up there in the box in your suits. And yeah. look, at that stage, did you, did you even have a sense then that God, this manager just mightn't be for me? Did you have that feeling? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, during that pre-season we had chats like with the manager individually, and it was one of them that. I don't. I think because he had came in, he probably didn't know his team that he wanted to play, and so he played a couple of pre-season games. And it wasn't really until the last pre-season game. I think we played Newcastle at home, and then you got the idea that you weren't because you didn't play any minutes at all mm. in that game. And then you're thinking, obviously, going into the to the first game of the season, which usually is a, is, a, is a massive time for every player. It's a so everyone looks forward to it, and when the fixtures come out, is uh, you, you've got this team at home, and you look forward to it. It's what you do all your pre-season, you're running around and obviously you, you look towards that. But um, I wasn't in the squad on the first game of the season and it, it was a big blow and it took me a while to get into the team. And when I did get into the team, I thought I played, I think it was a couple of televised games. And Aston I, Villa was one, was it? Villa was one, yeah. I think I got man the match in that one. Uh, we were beat 2-0, but it was kind of a patched-up team and then played the, the three games after that. And... Um, then I was just then I was froze out again, and I knew when it came to January that um, that I had to go for me for my own career to play games, and I had to force my way out to to, to get to Doncaster really and, and get games. And by the time I got to the Doncaster, I played went from not playing for maybe a month or two, and then went into I think it was six, seven, eight games in a row Saturday, Tuesdays, and ended up like to having a, a great two with McGroin. 
mm. which kind of nearly ended that loan. So it was, I think, it was April before I was back fit again for that season. So it was, it was probably the end of that loan, really. Yeah. And then, then you're back again, and the uncertainty of what you're going to do next, really, is had had another year to go on contract at Pen- uh, sorry, contract at Preston. Is your mindset different because you're that bit older? I mean, I guess if you're 19, 20 and you get over and played a few games and you drop out of the team, I don't know, maybe it's not as, as, as big of a deal. Um, but is your mindset a bit different because you're at a slightly different stage of life and, you know, every season, I guess, matters at this stage and you were at a so-called sort of prime year career, maybe 26, 27, that, did that make it more urgent for you? And maybe in the club's eyes as well, did it, did it sort of make it more immediate that your, your future needed to be resolved quickly? Yeah, I think so. I think more more so that I had to play games, really. I think, as you said, if you're 19, 20, they can put you in for five or six games, take you out, and it's probably not the biggest deal in the world. Mm. But if you're at an age that you need to be playing games, and it was my first stint in the UK, so I wanted to show people what I could do, really. And if, if you're sitting on a bench or sitting in the stand, you're not able to do that, really. Mm. Did did you just going back to when the, the the managerial switch happened? Did you get any fear at that stage? Because that 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 whole um, you know managerial switch can just screw so many people's careers that go over to England. It just seems to happen time and time again. Yeah, I think well, obviously you, you don't know of course. He could come in on the manager could really like you, or he might know a bit about you already. Um, I think he, he came in and um, it was. I said I finished the season quite well, got capped and finished the season well enough probably in the team and at Preston. So I was I was away with Ireland in the summer and I was kinda of buzzing to come back. It was all seemed to be going well and then we got an extra couple of days because we had been in, in the summer with Ireland and I think it was the day before I got back you heard that the manager might be off. So by the time he got back in he had gone and I think it was the first week that we had no manager in place and then the new manager came in and it was, as I said, this happens in football. And as you did said, you worry then, or were you thinking, well, I'm still the same player? No, no, I didn't worry at all. I just, I just wanted to get a good pre pre season behind my belt and do well in the friendlies, and thought I did, to be honest with you. And uh, when when you get get to the first game of the season and you're not in in the squad at all, then you probably think that maybe you're gonna have you're gonna have to go elsewhere to play football. And does your relationship with the manager then start kind of souring? Purely because I, I actually don't think he likes me here, or I think that he just doesn't rate me enough. And um, how can I prove him right? Or do you kind of are you are you almost like fighting a losing battle then? Because you know you're not in the squad the first day of the season. Like, mm. no, I think I think you've got to be professional about. It. And anyways, I think you've 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 got to give the best account of yourself that you can, and and be as fit as possible. And if you are called upon, that you're ready to play games, and that's that's got that's a big thing. I know it's hard when you're out of a team and. In the championship, you're playing Saturday, Tuesday most weeks, and you're coming in on Sunday, and it's nearly the void in the squad that the lads that played eleven are doing a, a cool down, and the other lads that are obviously like didn't play the, the day before are not in the best form, put it that way, and then uh, they're going out and you're, you're being topped up, they call it, which is going out and basically doing I don't know, maybe five sides or whatever it is, just to to make sure that you're on top of the game. Then it happens again on Tuesday. It can be disheartening. And did you find the sorry? Then did you find the level beyond you, or did you find you did fine when you were actually playing? No, certainly not. I I said I thought most games I played in that I I done myself justice. It was just I think it was purely down to look. Well, it's not always purely down to look, but I thought you also have a good squad. If yeah, well, that's I suppose you're playing at that level, you're going to have a good squad. So I think um, I think it just would have been different if the manager that brought you there would have stayed on, and that's probably the case for numerous footballers mm-hmm. not just myself it, it, was it a slight bit harder in the sense that you mentioned you just come over from Ireland you hadn't been in the UK before that, that I don't know how to phrase this maybe because you didn't have football league games a load of football league games on your belt and say managers that you worked with there that you had a bit more to prove to people to a degree when it came to like windows and stuff that you were a bit of an unknown to people because of your background yeah I think so I think uh, there is managers in the UK that kind of discount or discredit what what happens in the League of Ireland and I think probably they'll have to look back on maybe the European ones for to see if, if you're putting yourself against a level that they, they think you should be playing against really. Um, I, I, I do think there is managers like that in the UK and I don't know how you change it. I don't know what the answer is but I think mm. I do think looking from the outside that the league is improving all the time and uh, as I said that was part of me, my reason to come back. Who was the manager at Doncaster then? Uh, it was Darren Ferguson, and yeah. and as I said, I got on really well uh, with Darren Ferguson. He, he had lots. He obviously gave me a chance to come out and play games. And did you see uh, any traits of his dad in him? Was he kind of? 
yeah, apart from yeah. his accent, I suppose. Yeah, you you could do. Well, he was uh, he he was a very good good man manager. He was a, could see his work on the training pitch. He knew wherever he wanted his teams to play, and I think uh, Doncaster like they were more or less safe by the time uh, March April came around. So they were kind of maybe nothing games, and then they come back in obviously from the the layoff I had, and he had to look after some of his own players as well, which is listen this. It's understandable. You can you can see where that happens in football. And yeah, the, the but being a lone player is that a different different thing? Do you always feel like you're on the clock? Yeah, I think so. I think every footballer wants to be parent at a club. I think when you go on loan, listen that you can have great loans and you can have there's a reason for loan players. Obviously, when if they have injuries or they need something else and they might not have the budget to go and get a player that costs X amount of money either. It's not that's not always the way um, that loan players. It's it's not for everyone, but it gets you out and it gets you games when you need games, I think. Yeah, yeah. So then you went to Scotland. So you went, you had two stints again. Dundee maybe didn't didn't go the way you would have liked it to go. And then Ross County, you had a, a happier time there. Um, look, what, how did you, how would you assess your time in Scotland? You obviously played in two divisions in terms of the levels and, and how did you enjoy the whole experience there? Yeah, well, at Dundee, it was, um, I got out again, got out and, and played games there. Um, the manager, to fair with, before I came, they were struggling. I think they Neil lost. McCann was the Neil manager. McCann was, was the manager. Yeah, yeah. Another, another great guy in football that I've met and agree with the way he tries to play football. And we just weren't getting results. But just before he he got sacked, uh, we had st- we, we I think we went away to Hamilton, and we were quite unlucky at home to Kilmarnock in in the game, and it was coming up to international break, and he, then the club thought they had to go a different way. Uh, he got sacked, and a new manager came in with a, with a total different way of playing football. And in what regard? It was just like Neil McCann. You probably say wanted to play a lot of football. Maybe some people say too much football. And then Jim McIntyre came in, and he probably thought he had to go a different way. And listen, there's there's no right or wrong way to play football. Um, I still played a lot of games under Jim McIntyre. So, but when it came, my lawn was up in January, anyways, and it was probably one of them that. I wanted to come back and, and, and try something else. Like, mm. I mean, would would you feel the managers viewed you in the in the mold of well, this is someone who's more of a ball playing centre half as opposed to the bruiser type centre half? Would that be is that fair to describe how you might be? Because you're not perceived? you're not the tallest as well. You're yeah. not like the no no. I say you don't. I don't think you have to be the tallest to be to, to be a centre half. There's just different different ways of playing playing the game. It's, it's not, it doesn't have to be one. One type of player for every position. Yeah, but is that like how that? they saw you though? You think that there might have been that perception in some managers had that they had their view of a particular type of centre half that they wanted. Yeah, there could have been. Um, I suppose that's probably a question more so that they can answer for you. Mm. But, um, as I said, I then went to I went to Ross County then after that and, and played more or less every game to the end of the season and was quite successful as in we won an Iron Brew Cup and then got promoted as champions, which was. It's a nice thing to have as a winner's medal in a league in the UK. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was then? What was the decision you then faced in the summer? I mean, are you getting married and stuff? And like, you've got, you've got, you're, again, you've got stuff in life coming up that obviously you probably need a bit of security rather than bouncing from six months here, six months there type of existence, which must be difficult. Like, even just, I don't know, were you commuting? Like, how did you manage your sort of lifestyle in, in those three different moves that you had? Yeah, well, you have to move, like, especially when you're moving from Preston to. Scotland, you're going to have to move. Yeah. You're not going to really commute, I don't think. But the Doncaster, even, were you able Doncaster to Doncaster, I was able to commute, commute like, yeah. yeah, most days. And then it was probably about an hour and a half, so you would have stayed over in a hotel maybe the night before. It could probably give you a better preparation. But um, I think that's part and parcel of it when you're going long, that if, if you're going to give it a proper shot, you, you've got to move close yeah. and you've got to well, not commute like two or three hours a day, which wouldn't be ideal like, yeah. each way. So. Yeah, it was something that I threw myself into and, and I moved on both occasions. But then when it came to this summer, then what were your what were the factors you had to look at? Yeah, I think I wanted something permanent and I wanted something for a bit longer term, really. I think the, a bit of security. Um, I had options in the UK and I think you have to weigh everything up. There's probably no right or wrong answer in, in what you do in, in football and light. Uh, you've got to make the decision that you feel at the time is best for you and that's what that's what I think I've done. Dundalk has always had a special place in my heart. I said that yesterday, and it was kind of a, a big factor in coming home. I know you can't necessarily name clubs, but like, what type of options were you looking at in the UK? Was it like year-long deals, or was it you know was it was it a bit up in the air what type of quality of offer you might have been getting? Yeah, well, like I had a couple in SBL and then a couple uh, down south, like 
big one kind of thing. But it's then comes down to if you want to do another couple of years of probably like slogging out for want of a better word, mm. or if you've got a chance to to go out and play the type of football that I was accustomed to at Dundalk and um, enjoying it as well. Like, but not to say that I hadn't enjoyed it before when I was up, when I was in Scotland. It's just. It was a, there was a lot to, to weigh up and as I said, I'm getting married next year, but that doesn't always come into it, but it helps when you have a long-term stability in your life. Mm, mm, mm. I think as well, it's interesting like that you'd offer us in League One and you're coming back to the League of Ireland where you're not guaranteed to start at Dundalk because they're obviously, and it just go, it just goes does go to show what that club is like in terms of the quality of it. Yeah, I think uh, I was always a type of player, a type of person that I didn't want to stay in the UK just for the sake of saying that, listen, I play in football in the UK it's that's not the way I've always been I probably could have went younger if that was going to be the case you've got to like as I said just got to do what's right for you and I, this this feels right for me uh, I know obviously the, the quality of player that's at Dundalk and that's why I think it's going to be we, we have a good chance of having a proper tilt to probably having another European run and lads putting themselves in a the position that like to go and win a league again and have success and that, that's a big part of it how would you compare the levels you've played at in Britain, like SPL compared to sort of championship? Um, and I then, I suppose, compare that back to the Champions League that you played in in 2016 and the Europa League. What What's the standard discrepancy like, particularly the SPL? I'm always intrigued by what's it like to play in that. It, it's, it is tough to, to judge, like, leagues or until, you, until you play in them, like, against the other leagues. But the SPL obviously have Celtic and Rangers in it and they're massive clubs. They have... 60,000 people at them and a very good standard of player. And then you go longer down that league, and it's probably there's a huge uh, difference, and it's like it's nearly two leagues in one. Um, and then you like League One is probably more phys- physicality, and the championship is you're playing against again top top players all through it, players that can hurt you all the time, and probably similar to what you're playing against when you get to the group stage of European competition. They're all good teams, isn't? You don't you don't get there for no reason, and probably puts into perspective what we actually done in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. The the press the pressing story is fascinating as well because obviously Graham Burke was there, obviously um, Shawnee was there, Daryl Daryl gone through his injuries. You were there, and I remember actually meeting Shawnee Maguire in the airport, and Graham Burke was struggling at the time. He's like Graham Burke's playing unbelievably well in training, and it's just it's hard to get into that system, and it was probably something that you could re- relate to at the time as well. Yeah, I think uh, Graham was doing brilliant. I, we, Came back and I done pre season of it was last year when Graham came through and he Graham obviously came from the season on a high of I think he made his debut for Ireland as well in the scored USA and game all, yeah. scored and he he was flying and he done really well in training and he he was fit, fitter probably than most because he had gone through the first half of the season which would be natural enough um, and he was doing really well and then comes to say I think I think Graham probably played the first couple I, I can't really remember how many yeah, games it's a handful of games handful yeah. of games and and then he came out of the team altogether. It's I, I could relate to obviously because because I, I went through and you try you try to help lads that when you have that little bit of experience that I've actually been through it but everyone's different it's it's, it's hard and it's not to say that Graham will ever like won't play again for Preston because he's he's got more than the quality and I think everyone that you speak about speak to, about about Graham that he has that and it's just it's just on them I think football is it's a game of opinions isn't it really I think we could ask everyone in the room here and they'd all have a different opinion on football and. That's that's how football is. Uh, you, you mentioned like about you know the offers you had to stay and stuff. I mean, can you put a price on just coming home and actually being around home? I mean, I think I spoke to someone who knew you when you were younger. They said you were a bit of a home bird when you were younger. Was there a story about you even refusing to go on trial somewhere? Cause Liverpool or something? Or was you, it? you wouldn't leave your room or something because <laughs> you were determined. Am I am I am I slandering you here? Or is this sort of? Yeah, uh, there is a bit of truth to that. Yeah, um, I don't know about staying in the room kind of thing, but uh, no. When I was younger, I, I made the decision. It was a, probably a, a tough decision, really, that I didn't really want to go away at that age. And, and to be honest with you, I'm glad I didn't. What I age? Would have been 15. So not the normal age, you would have went away. And I'm, I'm glad. Looking back, I'd, I had the experience that I had in, in the League of Ireland and probably would have never played in the European competitions that I did. And looking back on it, it was probably the best decision I made. I went away when I was more mature and, and done... Had had a good career in the League of Ireland. I obviously hope to have more, many more good years in the League of Ireland. Yeah, but like, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with being a home bird. I mean, I'm a bit of a home bird to a degree. Like, I, I like living in Ireland. Like, is there a sense of just nice being home as well? Like, is that something that's important as well? Just for like, rather than living in a town you've no association with, 
away from home that your friends aren't necessarily all around like do you know what I mean yeah it does it makes it easier definitely being a home That's there's no two ways about it it's, uh, it's nice to be at home having your friends and family around and there's, there's no two ways about that but that wasn't the massive decision now to be honest mm. with you like but it, there's, there's no doubt when it is it's a nice thing to have around you just, um, just that you've, you've mentioned in a couple of interviews that, that the facilities in the dock are, are much better than you know, then we're there when you went away. Can you just explain to people, maybe, because I think there's a lot of discussion about this, but just explain the facilities there to people. So you walked in for a look around. You remember being there before. So what are you expecting to see relative to what you saw? Um, well, I didn't know what to expect, really. I've, I'd heard about um, the facilities being brilliant, but I think it's until you go up there and actually see what, they, what they've done, what the owners have put into it. When when I was there, we, well, first of all, we trained in the evening. We trained across. We used... The, the home and away dressing room in mm. in the actual stadium. Now it's the I think it was called the youth development centre. I'm not sure what it's called now, yeah. but it's you walk in the doors, a canteen, the video room, analysis, um, everything set up for the staff to to prepare you on whoever you're playing next. And um, it's a little cinema that room is it the the video yeah, analysis the room? Cinema yeah. room, probably favourite of the staff or Steve, you probably enjoying that Steve room. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's it's all set up. It's, it's a brilliant brilliant setup for them. And then we've got obviously our gym and our physio rooms and, and a top top uh, facility of the change rooms. I know little things like that probably doesn't sound massive, but to footballers that are trying their best to be the best they can be, it, it's a massive thing. And well, you're and you're playing what like two hours a week max, and um, like the rest of the time you're doing stuff off the pitch, like you're training, you're in camp, like so you want proper. Not in the league of Ireland, playing around six hours a week. Sorry, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's like it's, the football is only a small part from the end as well. Your 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 day to day is different. Yeah, I think that maybe a lot of people outside of football think you you probably just turn up and you start training and then. Then you just come off the pitch and you just jump in the shower and off you go. That, well, that's not the case. There's a lot of prehab, a lot of preparation goes into being the best you can be, really. You've got like lads that will go in and get their robes or look after themselves in, in different ways. If they might need a certain amount of stretching or they might need to go out before they play games or sorry, to train. But um, that's all geared towards that now. That's everything I said, everything that you could want or need as, as a professional footballer is there. And uh, it was a big part of. When I went up and, and, and had a look again, that's a total different club to, to the club I left. And obviously you can see what the owners want to do there and the investment they put in it. What do you know of the players they've signed, we'll say, in the off-season? Are the players that have come in quite a few since 2016? Uh, well, I said, I, I watch, being in the UK, it's not always feasible to watch all the games, obviously. So the games are on the telly and you, you can... It'll be more feasible now you can stream games actually for four quid a game. Well, only if you're overseas. So yeah. I mean, I'd imagine he'll be in the country when they're playing. <laughs> no, but like, otherwise things haven't gone that well. When he was in England. like you know, Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you can watch Cork or Dundalk now for on HD, it's I think. A, it's a pilot scheme. Yeah, yeah which would be pilot. interesting. Um, but there's so many they've so many players who are also not playing just because they can't, they've been injured or they can't get in, even particularly midfielders. And obviously the defenders that came in to replace you as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I think every like the club has gone after a certain type of players that think not signing players for the sake of signing players they're signing players that they think will improve the group and get to get to the level where they, they want to go back to really you know I think that's that's a, that's a massive thing but first and foremost uh, got to win got to win the league each year to give you that platform and obviously take, uh, teams and clubs are, are, are closing are trying to close that gap as much as they can and, and get more professional and uh, you can you can see by the games that like you're watching the telly. Obviously, I'll, I'll be seeing a lot more games live. That mm. I do think the league as a whole is improving, and it's 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 only going to enhance the, the spectacle of coming to watch a game. Just to, to go back to the facilities, there has been a way giving you more of an appreciation of like, you know, the the levels that you need to have off the pitch as well to be a professional club. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, you you obviously got to look after your body right and uh, perform when you go into training. You've got to perform and you. Got to give give the best account of yourself. Really, that when you come, it's not just it's not even them four or five hours you spend at a club. It's what you do after when you come home and what you eat and how you live your life. That's that's all coming massively coming into account. And I think the the quicker I have an age group where you can grasp that, the the more successful you're going to be. Mm. I mean, you mentioned that the the Irish thing is something that you'll always have. You know, it's a it's a proud moment. Not to miss take your words, but you know, it's it's something that obviously means a lot to you. Um, the fact that Stephen Kennedy's taking over the Ireland job next year, are you? Do, do you have a thought in your head that you know that may not be over? I, I think first and foremost, you've got to make sure that I'm playing well enough to, to even come into that question. If, if that's going to be a question, I, 
probably got to have to get back to a level of maybe, I don't know, will it take another European run for, for that to happen? Mm. But I think, like, Mick at the moment is picking uh, players out of the league and obviously Stephen hasn't, has been uh, picking players, for, I don't know, for the 21s, but he won't be afraid to pick players, I don't think, out of the league. And uh, it's not to say that it's not going to happen or, or it will happen. I think it's just, it's got to come down to how I'm doing and if I'm in the team and I'm playing well, then maybe it's not a question for me, really. Mm, that's a fair point. Um, I mean, the options that you have, I mean, there's Gartland has obviously been there the whole time. You've got Hoare and Daniel Cleary. It's only natural, it's human nature. There's going to be some people happy to see you, maybe some lads privately, maybe not, not as happy to see you. But do you see like the strengths, the qualities, the attributes that you have, that it's a good option, it's a good problem for Vinnie Perth to have, I guess? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think uh, it's not even... Just to send the back position, it's probably there's two players at least for every position now. Now at Dundalk, you can see the you can take one player out of the team and put another in. It's probably not taken away from the team at all, and um, that's something I know that the, the manager has spoke about beforehand. That hasn't always been that way in the squad, and and, and now I think at, we're at this a level that it really is that, and it's when he actually means that when he says that, that that's how he feels about it. Mm. And they've also rotated this year as well, which is like. As you mentioned, like it's, a, I know when you were there previously, Paddy Barrett would have played a bit when Gartland got injured in 2016, but rotation wasn't maybe a, the previous manager's 100% philosophy, whereas it seems to be a case now that everyone knows they're going to get games. It's just a matter of how many they're going to get, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's, it's good in a way as if, if someone does obviously pick up an injury or a suspension that there's lads that aren't coming in from four or five weeks out of the team that there's probably... Probably the last game might have been eight, nine, ten days ago, and that's a good thing, obviously, because it's difficult for for a for a professional player to, to come in and and from out like totally out of call and then <laughs> being asked to be at a certain level that the person that's played the last ten games is. So yeah. that that's I, I think I agree with that. That's definitely something that that's going to be a bonus going forward. Had you any concern that there was a new management team there? Because it also meant that Steve O'Donnell, who you mentioned, he had the new role, and then Rory Higgins stepped up to his role as well. So uh, Vinny got the big job, and you had uh, obviously John Gill coming in as well with different roles for the new people. No, I think it's the same as it's really at the club that it's work hard first and foremost, and then your your, your quality shines through. And uh, judging by the past couple of days I've been in, um, that's, it looks like that's continued. Yeah, and it's. Very close to Europe as well. I know you're not, you can't play like straight away, obviously. But uh, the European, um, you're guaranteed four games in Europe this year. It must be something you're at least motivated to be in the team by then, hopefully. Yeah, but I think that comes down to obviously I just got to get myself as fit as possible, and then it comes down to obviously all the lads form. They, they've they've done really well this season, so I've now divine right to walk into any team in the league, no matter what. I've got you've got to earn that right, and. Uh, as I said, you just got to make sure that you do your stuff right, and then if it comes down to you're asked to play, that you're more than ready. How's your fitness? Yeah, I, I've worked really hard to be fair, over because I had had a feeling that this was one of the options, and I've worked hard. And I was away on holiday last week. I was training out there eight in the morning. <laughs> Did I see John Sullivan had you doing a bit of training as well? Yeah, done a bit with, with John Sullivan. That's as well, your gym, Dan. Is this? Your uh, I've moved area now. Yeah. yeah, but John, yeah, yeah we done a done used a pitch to go there partly so. to work out and partly to get stories from the <laughs> <Eagle> Garden. Yeah, <laughs> Richard uh, Tyler will be there as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I think uh, it's something you've, you've got to do when you obviously. I think the days of not doing anything and just coming back up for pre-season there they're well gone. and truly gone like, so. did, you, did you have those days back in the day when you were selling meat or whatever <laughs> I pro- probably did I, I don't know but uh, I certainly don't have them anymore so I think the, it's, the game's changing and it's changing for the better so John Sullivan had you out doing a bit of one-to-one stuff was it or yeah myself and actually Richie Tao came along as oh well. Richie as well so, yeah, yeah we're all, we actually done it on Crumlin uh, Astro Turf so we all used to play there at one stage so yeah. they were more than facilitating and um, yeah it was a good session to be honest with you Done, done some hard work and then we messed about for a bit really so. <laughs> yeah, as, you, as you do when he was telling me about uh, running at 8 in the morning in Dubai to get away from the heat uh, it reminded me of Tim Clancy you know, I think he was on his honeymoon but he was doing some sort of a cruise with the missus anyway and he was playing in Scotland at the time but he put on a few pounds on his holiday and he's like geez I'm like I have to get back here and like I have to lose weight very quickly so he went up on the top of the cruise ship doing laps and who did he meet only a fan of whoever it was <laughs> Kilmarnock and mother like, ah, I think Tim what's the crack <laughs> and he's like has to lose about two stone like you know but but um, yeah, Dubai like it's it's uh, running at eight in the morning just to escape forty five degree heat. Yeah, it wasn't that much cooler at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, no, it was something that I was prepared to do and something that um, 
I, I think we'll stand to be at the end of the day. That's you you came back and you're not coming out of the blue of doing absolutely nothing and uh, had to done done stuff before that as well. So no, I think fitness wise I'm in a good place and it's just getting to the obviously at Dundalk really fit side, it's getting to them levels and don't think I'm too far away and I've got a week or so of I've been able to train and, and it's probably been flogged a little bit, but <laughs> just uh, obviously the Rovers game uh, Friday night. Yeah, we should look. We're gonna. Yeah, I, wrap I, up, we're gonna I have to say to no, the weekend, I have to say I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you signed for Rovers because I thought they needed a cover at centre back and they need a new centre back maybe a bit more than. Um, Dundalk too, and I think there'll be a bit of spice to this because a lot of Rovers fans will be thinking, "Oh, we thought." So anyway, in any event, like this is going to be a fascinating game, live and air sport, of course, as well. Yeah, it's um, it's obviously top table clash. Uh, there's been a bit of uh, a bit of spice in years, I think, uh, to the, to them games, and um, I think uh, Rovers will be looking at it as um, probably a, a must win for them. And have you seen much of them? I haven't seen a whole lot now, to be honest with you. As I said, it is quite tough to to keep it. Keep in the loop of obviously you kind of watch the highlights and stuff. Sure, like Graham that, Burke could be t- Graham Burke seems to be in Tal every time I'm there. Anyway, he must he could be telling you how they're getting on. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not as I said, it's not something I, I discussed with him. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be a good game, and it's a game I'm looking forward to going to. Yeah, we, we've spoken about about this a bit earlier on, John. But I mean, it is like it is still a marquee fixture in the context of the season and. A lot of people looking forward to seeing you there, I'd say. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, <laughs> you haven't heard about Johnny's big predictions. He actually gave the league to Rovers a month ago. Right, so this yeah, is yeah. this has caused him a few problems yeah. in uh, Dundalk Neck of the Woods. He doesn't like talking about it, so. Yeah, well, you do. But uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in any event, no, it's, it's, in fairness, it's, it's great to have you back. I think it, it just adds more to the quality league of Ireland as well. And the fact that there's some very good centre-backs, not only at Dundalk, but, you know, in the league at the moment, likes the league race as well. And um, Bowes, the centre-backs that they brought on, like some very good defenders in the game. Yeah, there's, there's there's plenty around the league. They're not all just at the dock. There's there's plenty around the league, and that's what I was saying earlier on. And uh, that the quality in the league is definitely coming up. There's some good players. I think there's fixtures being, being postponed now because we've got so many getting international recognition, and that's a credit to the people in the league. Mm. Should run through the other games this week, John. We've got Cork Derry on Friday as well. UCD Pats. Waterford, Bowes, and, and Finn Harps against Sligo. Just think of Pat, you're good pals with Connor Clifford, right? You're both into boxing. Am I, am I right there? You're a uh, b- b- boxing yeah, enthusiast. Con- Connor more so than me, yeah. yeah. I do like my boxing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you been following how Connor's been getting on? Obviously, you know, yeah. he's, he's got back going again. I know he's had a few injuries at times this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, I was speaking to him recently, and uh, he's looking to get back um, from the problem. I think it's his quad um, at the moment, but I think he's, he's on the mend now, yeah. Mm. The first division at the weekend, John, we got Cavan TD Wexford, draw to Bray, Galway Athlone and Limerick Shells. Before we do wrap up, um, the Watford Along Bowes... Along for Coven Saturday, Watford, I should say as well. Watford Bowes situation. Watford have an absolute poverty of strikers at the moment. And and um, El Buzetti's out for about a month. So Alan Reynolds has to find players very quickly now because he's just basically lost all his strike force, um, whether going back to clubs or this or that. Um, yeah, Bowes are going down there. Stuff. Bowes are going down there at a good time. And you'd look at kind of um, their kick for... Possibly finishing second in the league. It'll be a very interesting game. And um, obviously, Harps and Sligo, a huge derby game as well. And Harps will be thinking, with the way UCD are, we've, we've a chance of kind of kicking on and maybe getting into second last place. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny one because we've had a couple of weeks off and then all of a sudden you've got like three games in a week for clubs. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of points. I mean, the, you know, the structure of the season is still like deeply flawed. We talk about it every week. Mess. We're not going to yeah. go into it again. But Cork and Derry everyone be a good knows cursor it. for like, you know, well, this could be right and for now and then all well, there, well, there's teams doing long trips on Monday as well too, but it is yeah. a bit feast and famine that players have a break. They've all come back from Dubai or wherever they've been. Maybe maybe not all the players have been Dubai. There's probably a couple that have been a bit more closer to home. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you go from that. I, I don't know from an athlete's perspective, like, and you know from the championship that I, I, I often wonder about it. That you have this mad run of games, then you step out of it for like two weeks, and you maybe have a small bit of downtime, Andy, and then you could try and play like three games in a week again. It's, it's, it's not ideal, really, in terms of like a. I don't know. The sports scientists might have a few issues with it. I would have thought. No, it's not. It's, um, I think in England, obviously, in the football league, you play forty-six league games, and most of the season really is. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, and it's very tough for for the lads. You're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, and asked to do that for say three weeks on the bounce. It's it's a lot of games, and you don't do a lot of training. To be honest with you, you just obviously get yourself ready for the games, and you recover, and then you, you do a small bit of shape on the on, on the next team, and and, and then you're ready. And you move to, on. Then you're yeah. ready to go again. So it, it's uh, I think definitely in them leagues, it's nearly the more durable teams that that do well really like and. Uh, that, that 
as opposed to when when it's like that, you, you can't really complain about that. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully at home here, the structure you know, calms down a bit over time as well. But, I mean, for, I suppose from the dog perspective, you hope there's fixture chaos coming because if it's coming, you've done well in Europe, I guess. So you probably, you want a bit of it this year. You know, yeah, you do. I think, uh, I suppose, definitely in the League of Ireland, when the more fixtures you have, obviously shows the more the success you're having in the league yeah. and, and, and abroad. And, uh, yeah, I think everyone involved with Dundalk will be looking for as many fixtures as possible between now and the end of the, yeah. the year. Just, just finally on that, did you find when you went over there to England that people were kind of aware of what you'd done in terms of the European kind of odyssey that year? Um, I think I think there was, maybe. Obviously, not on any context compared to where it was like at home, because mm. it was such a big story at home. It was such a big buzz. I think everyone jumped on board of wanting to come and support Dundalk and wanted to come to the games and were really wishing as well every week and um, it was brilliant but I think people were aware of it but probably not to the scale of what was here. She just mentioned with um, Limerick are playing Shells and Longford playing Cove that the Cove manager, former manager Stephen Henderson has joined Shells uh, in terms of I think underage development Dan so great to see uh, Stephen Henderson get a job very quickly and um, I think that's about a wrap. Yeah I think so but this time next week we'll have a couple more games done on, on the European countdown then as well so great having you back Andy and thanks for coming in uh, we, we had this interview actually lined up for a couple of weeks just so after <laughs> he actually joined for Dundalk the maybe day he before, knew something was going to happen I think John. he kind of did he might have known he would be in the country at the time we tried know? to get Graham Burke in with you today um, that, that obviously didn't happen but um, we might get uh, Burke on at some stage as well thanks for coming in no problem lads thanks for having me again and thanks for listening but there are limits to your life